Welcome to the Order Up Show, the operations management podcast presented by Ops Analytica. Hey guys, it's Tommy. Um, what's up? As many of you know, I don't generally advertise other people's products on the podcast, but today I'm going to change that. Okay. I want to introduce you a revolutionary new product called the Aura. And it's made by one of our partners, Epic IO. They are an IoT company. And this thing, what it does is it disinfects and deodorizes whatever room you put it in. It destroys 99.9% of bacteria, viruses, and fungi that are in that room. It can kill E. coli, salmonella, listeria, respiratory viruses, norovirus. And here's the craziest thing. It doesn't require any human involvement. It literally is fire and forget, and there is no maintenance, and there are no chemicals involved. It literally sanitizes all surfaces, uh, containers, floors, and walls, and it's even safe to be used around food. It can extend the life of your fresh produce anywhere from 5 to 14 days because it kills the stuff that makes your produce go bad faster. And it's truly fire and forget. If the thing is about the size of a small briefcase, it can, one briefcase can basically cover 1,000 square foot of space. And how does it do it? It does it by simply releasing one part per million more ozone, a naturally occurring uh, substance in the atmosphere into that room. But that one part per million of ozone, it kills the viruses and bacteria and funguses that are living in that room. This goes so far beyond wiping things down with bleach and sanitizer because it's hitting literally every square inch of that area is being disinfected and it just runs on a schedule. So when people leave the building at night, it turns on, it runs for a couple of hours. And when you come in the next morning, your that part of your building is virus free. And by the way, we have secured a deal. Um, so if you go through us, you click on the link in the show notes, you can get this uh, product for like $100 off a month. So it is crazy amazing. It's going to make your staff healthier. It's going to extend the life of your produce. And it's just generally going to make your building cleaner and safer. And it's going to do it naturally without you having to put an employee on it. Okay. So click on the link because that's the only way you can get the $100 a month savings. And listen to the podcast because I interviewed the uh, the creator of this thing. And it's truly an amazing product. And that's why I am willing to stand behind it and tell you guys, this is something you should seriously look at for your buildings. Thank you. Hey there, Order Up Show. It's Tommy and I am back with another episode. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Bob. Dr. Bob, how are you doing, sir? Very well, Tommy. Very well. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, man, I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, Dr. Bob is going to talk to us all about um, infections and how do we fight infections and all kinds of cool food safety stuff. So, Dr. Bob, this is a very hard-hitting journalistic podcast. I ask the same five questions of every guest. Um, and my first question is my favorite question, so let's get right to it. Explain what you do today and then take us through your career progression from your first job until now. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, so 
back, well, first of all, I was made in England uh, back in the in the mid sixties. I got my PhD in AI from England uh, at the age of twenty four, so a little bit of an early starter. They asked me whether I wanted to be a professor, and I said, "No, it's, you're not my style because you you guys in academia you try to take something simple, make it complicated, so that you sound." more clever and my approach is is quite the opposite so then i left academia i went into uh, programming a c++ programmer and they dragged me out of the cubicle and said you're, you're not a good programmer you should be out in front of people um so then i went through sales engineering product marketing product management and uh, and training and uh, that that leads me to where i am now with epic io which is, uh, which is a company that does AI and IoT along with connectivity. And uh, I had a product for the company. Wow. So that's funny that you weren't a good programmer. I'm not a good programmer either, to be honest with you. <laughs> I sucked at it more than you did, Tommy, whatever, whatever you did. Well, I, I was doing workflow and I was good, but like, I'm not like, I'm a big picture guy, you know, like I would be better. I'm more on like your side. I'm more of a sales engineer than a programmer because I understand programming, but I also understand people in business and that's really a unique skill set. Right. So yeah, not for me. We, yeah. we can, um, we can be, we're special, Bob. And I think that's, what's important here. I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. So that's how you got here. Um, tell us a little bit about Epic IO. I mean, for those of who aren't familiar with that, uh, Epic IO is a company that does uh, artificial intelligence and IoT. They bring those two things together. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're trying to check uh, temperature, humidity, water levels, sewage levels, um, whether you're trying to apply AI to video to uh, look for security uh, events or uh, people counting, uh, traffic intersections, a whole whole host of different things around AI and IoT, all pulled together with the 4G and 5G connectivity. Um, accidentally, and it's like a 3M post-it uh, note uh, uh, thing, accidentally a year ago, a customer out of the blue said, can you use your skill set to protect a shipload of bananas? And we said, I, we don't actually know what you're talking about. And they said, oh, no, we've got this, this machine. If you could just remotely switch it on and, and track how it's running and then switch it off at the end of its uh, ship voyage, then that would be great. And fast forward, that brings us to the podcast today. Well, yeah, and keep going with that. How did you protect those bananas? Well, it's, it's, it's actually conceptually really simple. What, what you do is you have a machine that's inside um, the cargo ship in, inside the uh, container itself. And uh, you're producing in this, in their particular case, they wanted us to produce a level of ozone, ozone gas and keep it at a very low level, not high level, which would then damage the product and uh, damage, hurt people when they open it up and go inside again. Um, but if you can keep the, the concentration at a very low level, but for a very long period of time, like days or weeks, then you can do what refrigeration fails to do. I mean, we, we all have fresh produce, right? Yeah. Why do we put it in the fridge? We, we don't do it to keep it cold. We, we keep it cold in order to slow down the growth of uh, germs, pathogens, uh, bacteria, viruses, and fungi. And it's those that cause the food safety issues like your listeria, your E. coli, your um, uh, listeria, E. coli, salmonella, take your pick, and the food spoilage. 
Why do we in the US throw away 30 to 50% of our produce? It's because it rots. If you could find a way to slow down the rotting rather than relying on your refrigerator, then, then you are where we are today as Epic IO. And so this product, this, uh, this ozone producer, let's say we get 2% ozone, but we keep that 2% ozone steady for, you know, whatever. Let's say the trip from Costa Rica to the U.S. is five or six days in the boat. We keep it steady at 2% the whole time. That's, that ozone, what does it do? Um, well, what happens is the ozone molecules, the, the ozone itself, the molecules go up to every bacteria, virus, and fungus that it can find. Uh, it attaches to the, the cell membranes, and I, I don't know how to put this nicely, it ruptures them and all their guts fall out. It destroys them in place. So this ozone kills viruses, kills virus cells, basically. Yeah, and it's been doing a great job for about 100 years. It, it's, it's one of the oldest, uh, except for chlorine, it's one of the oldest technologies for, for disinfecting. So you want to know something that's crazy, Bob, and this is like slightly off topic, but not really, is you're here protecting bananas on the boat. But I have a cigar club here in town, and my buddy Oscar, who's in the cigar club, he gets the bananas from the field. He runs armored convoys through Guatemala and South America to take the bananas from the fields and get them to the port. And then he's got guys with machine guns on the boats protecting Dole's bananas as they get shipped up to the US. And he's got the best stories, like, you know, like bad cops and malicious trying to steal the bananas and insanity. But now I know two people who are protecting my bananas from the field all the way to my plate. I have to stop you there because First of all, we yeah, well, we do we do bananas, but actually what's more exciting? Well, I mean, protecting food is important, uh, given the scale of the problem. I mean, uh, we're, we're putting it into a um, into a food bank. And, and I was on their website and I was looking. I, I keep thinking that food insecurity is a far off, you know, other country problem. Sure. In that particular state, 23 percent of children are food insecure that's in the u.s yeah so, so this is this is not a it's not a laughing matter but but the other thing other than food is that you know this technology doesn't care um you can put me in a refrigerated uh truck you can put me in a on a ship you can you can put me in your cold walking uh walking uh cold storage but you can put me in a classroom right you can put me in an athletic locker room. You can put me in a patient room. You can put me in a hotel room. It doesn't care what it's killing overnight when it's empty. Sure. And it's totally safe for humans, right? Let's just, you know. Well, it's it, the, our first customer is actually a K through three school in New Mexico. So, yeah, I would say. But it's only run at nighttime, Tommy. That's really important. You, um, Here's, here's my problem with the current world of disinfection. Um, people want to do things faster and faster, so they have to get stronger and stronger chemicals to get it done in less time. Sure. If you flip that around, and the only reason you do that is because everything is manual. If yeah. you flip that on its head, then if you say, well, what if I could take advantage of the fact that the building is empty overnight, 
and I can run this between 10 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning, could I get away with using much uh, less harsh chemicals or no chemicals in this case and low concentrations? And the answer is you get the same kill rate of germs than if you used high concentrations for a short time. And that's the game changer here. Yeah. Well, I mean, just like taking that into like other, like taking it to the, the idea of the nursery school, anybody who's had kids in pre preschool or daycare, which we did, everybody knows that when a, a cold goes through that building, it goes through that building. And then all of a sudden every kid's out for like three or four days. Right. Oh, and yes. so much of that is surface spread. You know, it's not all just someone coughing in someone else's face, which obviously happens as well, too. And nothing's going to stop that. But so much of it is just surface spread. They're on the toys. They're on, you know, the books. They're on the cabinets. It's everywhere. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Tommy. If it, if it was all in the air, then why do doctors wear gowns? Why do we wear gloves? Why do we have disinfectant wipes if it's all in the air? Now, air purification is important, but it's only half your problem, Tommy. Sure. If you've if you've got why is it that I can go into hospital um, for one issue and they give me an intravenous drip, an IV drip, or they intubate me in the case of you know the last couple of years with all this COVID nonsense, uh, or or um, I I need a catheter inserted? How on earth is it that I pick up an infection when all of those three things are sterilized to begin with? The IV needle that was put in my arm or the tube that was put down my throat or the uh, uh, or the catheter that was inserted, they're all sterilized. How is it that I pick up a UTI infection? How is it that I pick up pneumonia? And it's because the germs are in the environment. And, and here's, here's the killer, Tommy. Um, I was reading that uh, if, if Tommy goes in for an operation and then comes out and then Bob goes in for an operation, that the wheels out to wheels in time is 15 minutes. A hotel room is between 30 and 45 minutes. They spend less time disinfecting an OR than a, uh, them cleaning and making the bed in a hotel room. Wow. Yeah. That, that explains why you pick up stuff that you, and you don't know where it came from. Sure, because in OR, and that actually makes sense if you just think of the business model of both those businesses, right? Like a hotel, you're staying days. So, but in an OR, every minute that thing's down and it's not producing revenue, you know what I mean? Like it's uh, it it's not producing revenue. So they got to get it, it. You got to get in and out of there quick so that you can get the next surgery in because that's where the hospital makes its money. Well, when Tommy leaves the hotel room and Bob comes in as the next guest. Bob immediately smells the air, looks around, looks at the bed, looks at the shower, yeah. and the visual call as to whether it's good enough. But when Tommy comes out of the OR and Bob goes in, Bob's asleep. Bob's not going to complain. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely true. So, okay, so now I have a good sense of how this works. So basically, explain the device that does this. How big is it? Where do you put it? Oh, that, that's the easiest bit. So this this uh, this box is exactly the size of a briefcase, like oh. from the 1980s, you know, when all the drug carriers would put their, their dollar bills in a briefcase and open it up and, and impress you. It looks exactly like that. It's a metal uh, briefcase size box. 
and it plugs into an outlet just into a, a regular uh, power outlet and it's on the wi-fi and um you you remotely configure it it uses ai and iot and our connectivity to make it switch on at night and then switch off again in the morning um, with safety sensors to make sure that if anyone does open the door, if anyone moves, then immediately shuts down. Sure. Yeah, it's really simple. And you, you mentioned earlier, Tommy, 2% uh, ozone. Well, we use a lot less than that. We use one part per million oh, one wow. PM. And Tommy, it's amazing because even at one part per million, you have 400 million million ozone molecules doing the fighting per cubic inch in the room and do you have to mount it up high or can you just set it could you just walk into a room could i walk into any room and just set it down plug it in shut the door and then come back an hour later two hours later whatever through three that k through three school that i was talking about uh they're actually going to do exactly that they can't afford one unit per room at yeah. least yet so what they're going to do is the janitor has agreed to move it from room to room um so that each room gets hit at least once uh top to bottom now that that's different because janitors typically uh vacuum and mop but really even the mopping they're reusing the same mop to cover yeah. a whole area so all you're doing is moving the germs around you're you're getting rid of the visible dirt but you're doing nothing for the actual germs yeah that's true i mean if you've ever if you've ever mopped a floor you've seen the mop water you, you you can't imagine that that's actually clean. Um, that's super interesting. Okay, so that's question number one. You can see it's a very disciplined podcast. Yes. Question number two is, what is the big project or initiative that you're working on right now? And by the way, if you've already kind of covered that in one, we can keep going. Well, I, I think we have covered it in, in some, uh, to some degree, but let, let's, touch on a couple of other facts that we know. If you just simply Google them, they're, they're very reputable sources. So you talked about schools. So the average kid at school picks up six colds a year. That's why you always say as a parent, yeah, she picked it up from school, brought it home. Um, the average school gets 20 disease transmissions a day. We got 5 million instances of strep last year, and the average germs last 48 hours to several days on the surface. Even, But it's not just K through 12. You look at the NFL. They had 33 cases of MRSA, MRSA. That's the, uh, the uh, drug-resistant um, version of staff. Uh, mm -hmm. Just 2006 and 2008. And we recently did a pilot uh, in, a, in an athletic locker room, and we were shocked at the level of contamination in the locker room really um, yeah yeah that that's a that's a terrifying story um yeah we'll, we'll if, if we have to we'll, we'll touch on that but okay. yes the rooms are not very pleasant places and it's amazing because you we we were in there and we were seeing seeing um the the college athletes lying on the floor um Ugh. That's horrible, gross. Yeah, yeah. That's actually that's a that's a rough one. That's a rough one. The um, yeah. I, now that you're saying that, like I, we are members at a gym, and uh, they have like a hot tub and a sauna and a steam room, and I'm just like now I'm just thinking about that, going, oh man, what am I doing? Out of selfish interest, does that room smell when you walk in? Does, is there a different smell in the gym compared to outside? Oh yeah. 
You, do you know what that is? Nope. So the only reason we smell stuff is because uh, sweat doesn't smell. It's odorless, tasteless, and colorless. So what sweat is, is that it takes our salts and our uh, various acids out of our body, and it goes onto the surfaces that we touch. And, yep. then, and then the bacteria that lives on our skin, you can't avoid it. The bacteria say, oh, it's dinner time. They consume those nutrients, and then they, they release gas. I'm not gonna use the, the, the uh, rough word. They release gases as part of the metabolism. And it's those gases that smell. So actually, depending on the uh, bacteria that's uh, prevalent in a room, uh, you can tell it by different smells. So that's why under armpits smell one way, feet smell a different way, rotting steak smells a different way. It's because the, the gases are different, given off by different bacteria. Hmm. And the only way to kill smell is either to mask it, which is not doing anything for you, like you take a big can of Febreze, or you kill it at source, which is the germs. If you kill the germs, there's nothing to produce the smell. Sure. And that's exactly what we're doing with this uh, with this device, putting it in gyms, putting it in locker rooms, put it in, putting it in uh, classrooms. Um, the, the minute clinics are the, or the, the uh, what do you call them? Um, what do you call them? Sorry? The urgent cares, you mean? Exactly, the, the urgent cares of this world, where you've got the most vulnerable people uh, going in in large quantities, and they're going in with problems, they're coming out with different problems, and the building gets shut down at night. It's perfect for this kind of solution. Sure. Let me ask this question, because you mentioned this. The ozone machine's on, let's say it's in a storage room at, at a restaurant, and I walk in, it shuts off. I, it automatically shuts off because it senses my motion and goes, oh, wait, there's a guy in there, I should turn off. But I'm not going to be in danger by breathing the air in that room, right? No, uh, and that's because we're using what we're, we're calling low and slow. It's just a cool marketing term for we're using super low concentrations because we know that we've got uh three four five six hours to run this thing it's Got just it. you suddenly were to walk back into the room at 2 a.m um you would smell the air and you would go oh what's that strange smell and you'd immediately turn around and leave the room okay it, it, it's it's it uh, the best way to liken it is if you were to suddenly walk into a swimming pool and you smell the horrible smell of chlorine in the air um, that's what it would smell like. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, okay, so, uh, and so I guess, uh, well, we'll just, let's go to the next question real quick. Uh, question number three, what is the one thing in the industry of your business that's keeping you up at night? Um, there, there's something, uh, Tommy, that's happened, uh, it probably happened since, since the dawn of mankind, but it's much worse uh, since COVID hit. It is so easy to lie and get away with it. It's so easy to make false claims about what you do, and which is why during COVID times, so many of us said, okay, our customers demand that we're doing something about it. So even if it's theater hygiene, we need to uh, wipe things down in front of customers. We need to look like we're spraying things. We need to look like we're fogging. We need to buy a UV light and show that we're putting in a classroom and disinfecting the room. 
The problem is we did all those things without any evidence. We don't know whether they made any impact. We did it on faith. We did it because we had to, and we had to do it in a rush. And unfortunately, when you look at a lot of the claims, um, they don't stand up in court. Let me give you a really simple example. So uh, UV, ultraviolet light, UVC, which is the type that's uh, a germicidal, um, it does a fabulous job of killing germs. And so if I have a product that uses UVC light and shines it in a classroom, I will tell you that it kills 99.99999% of whatever it touches. And that's true if the germ is a few inches away from the light bulb. But if the germ is, is under my seat, uh, little Tommy's in the third row in the classroom or under the table, or uh, Tommy's at the back row, he's going to get 1% of that energy or 0.1% of that energy. But we as purchasers, we didn't know what to, we, there's no way to test the efficacy of the solution that you're buying. So a ton of money has been misspent, a ton of COVID money has been misspent on solutions that made claims um, and we fell for them. Uh, this product has been tested in the lab, but who cares about lab results? We've also tested it out in the wild, in locker rooms, in schools, in hospitals, to see what it performs like in the real world. And we have those stats. Yeah, it, you know, it's funny that you said theater, right? I, I During COVID, so much of what was happening was theater because we were trying to reassure people, hey, you're safe to eat here, right? Yeah. And also, I mean, let's be honest, you know, I mean, if you think about the initial shutdowns, the CDC was looking at COVID as it was like more, they were treating it more like a norovirus. They were treating, they were treating it more like a contact, uh, a contact uh, where you came into contact with spittle or something that, that yeah. you said. And that was their initial guidance all the way up until May or May or June before they started to figure out it's probably more airborne at that point. But yeah, I mean, because we had so many people doing so many things during COVID using our platform just to try to manage and measure that so they could show, hey, look, look at all the stuff we're doing. But you're right. Was it actually effective? Probably not. Or definitely not, I would say. Yeah, far from it. Far from it. Well, and it's interesting about the UV light, because I remember seeing a couple of years ago about a UV light robot that they would like drive into an operating room and, you know just as we talked about earlier, and then it would go and like disinfect the operating room. But but the problem is, once again, the shadows. Like the yeah. light only kills when it's like direct on the surface. And the, the reality is, is that, you know, an operating table's got shadows underneath it. And if that light doesn't get underneath it, or there's a piece of equipment in front of another piece of equipment, or, you know, it's just not going to disinfect those things, which means that you've got germs on surfaces that if you touched them and then touched the patient you could transfer exactly so you spent your 80 or a hundred thousand dollars on a single ubc robot and it's going around like r2d2 and where it does a good job it does a great job yeah where it doesn't it does nothing well and you know it's interesting because um we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show um, Atul Gawande wrote the Checklist Manifesto, which is like one of my favorite books. And it was a huge basis for just our platform in general, which is a, is a checklist platform at its heart. And um, 
one of the things that he talks about in the checklist manifesto is what we call all or nothing processes, right? And an all or nothing process is basically it doesn't matter. Like let's say, let's say the the rule is you have to go in and one hundred percent disinfect this operating room, and that is the process. And if you get ninety nine point nine percent there, it's not enough. Like you either had to do the whole thing or you shouldn't have bothered at all. If there's one germ on one cord that you touch that transfer to the patient and it ends up getting that patient sick, then all the work you did to get to that 99% was, was worthless, right? And that's so many of the processes that guide our lives, not only in medical, food safety, airplanes, you name it, buildings, they are 100% processes. And if you mess them up, then you might as well have not done them at all. And it, that's, it, that's a real Tommy, it's depressing. The, the research that I've done uh, in the last year since we stumbled across the bananas and then we, we, we took it a, one step further into K through three uh, schools and, and so forth, it's depressing when you look at the papers where they have secretly observed cleaning staff in hospitals and how much effort do they put? The problem is no one's watching. Yeah. And and if you're not watching me, and I've only got so many minutes to disinfect a room, why should I bother to do it completely? In, in fact, there was one amazing anecdote where um, a hospital director said to one of the cleaners, your mother has been admitted. She's going into that room that you just cleaned. And he said, well, hang on a minute. Let me go back in there. Yeah. Well, and honestly, Bob, like that's the crux of my business, right? The crux of my business is, is that we put in checklist processes in place and try to hold people accountable to, well, we try to guide them through whatever activity they're doing, but then also hold them accountable to doing it correctly because when people are relying on their own memories, they forget things, right? And yeah. we are the most distracted as a species as we've ever been, because we're on constant overload of data from phones and from social media and the news and everything else. So like, as Atul Gawande would say in his book, again, not to keep quoting him, but he's a genius, like yeah. the average person can only remember four things. And that's if you're well rested and not stressed, you know, and at one time. So when you have a series of steps that you have to go and follow. And it's more than four things. I don't care if you do it 500 times a day. If you start daydreaming about tacos, you might miss a step. And then once again, it's an all or nothing process. You miss that one step or you don't do it as well, or you get distracted. And then, you know, there are real world consequences to these things. Um, and, and that's what we're trying to do too, because you're right. It's not, yeah, if no one's watching you, then you're you're going to do a lot of people, not everybody, but I would say 80% of the people are going to do uh, a, media, a medium job. And number two is they're going to forget vital steps. And that was the whole point of the safe surgery checklist from that book as well. You had these surgeons and his point was, you're never going to meet anybody who's better trained, who makes enough, like all your excuses are gone. Like you could say, well, a janitor only makes 10 bucks an hour and he doesn't even, you know, uh, maybe he doesn't even speak English or whatever. So that's why that guy's not good at his job. 
But he his point was, you got surgeons, they're highly trained, highly compensated, very intelligent people, and they're missing steps, vital steps in you know, putting on the yellow stuff and making sure they're looking at the right arm and all those things. So if those guys are failing, then what is somebody who is less than that capable? How big are their failures, right? I completely agree. If I'm a cleaner, you will know if I did a bad job because you can see it. Yeah. But if I, if my job is to disinfect, it's a thankless task because not only will you not know if I did a good job, you won't know if I even touch the surface. And the other thing is there's no way to measure it unless you take a swab and then send it off to a lab for overnight uh, incubation. Yeah. So you'll never know if I did a good job or not. And if, if I am tired uh, or, or I'm, I am dreaming about tacos, as I often am, yeah. Yeah, I, I've lost it. Absolutely. And, you know, disinfection whether it be in the food service or medical world or you know locker rooms everything else but i mean those two i think are probably the biggest you know that's how people are getting sick and here's the other thing too is you the other problem with this whole thing and why people have been able to get away with not doing a good job of disinfecting is that oftentimes the issues that arise happen uh in the future and they're hard to tie back to the event that caused them, right? So like I, you know, I'm in a hospital because I had a surgery. Well, where was was it? Did I get sick in my bed? Did I get sick in the, you know, the, you can't like, there's generally like, it's not like a perfect one-to-one where I can go 100%. He got sick in the operating room, right? You're absolutely right. If I, you, you mentioned it, Tommy, right? A few minutes ago, you said norovirus. Yeah. You only need 10 viral particles. 10 viruses is the infectious dose for uh, norovirus, which is the number one cause of throwing up. Yeah. Um, and but if, if I do catch it in hospital and I'm, I'm going to be there for three or four days, then it's possible that the uh, cross infection will become visible while I'm there. Yep. But if you pick it up from your restaurant and I go home and I throw up two days later, how do I know that I picked it up from the restaurant? Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's crazy. And just as a side note, when it comes to foodborne illness, the the National Restaurant Association and the FDA have kind of gotten in bed together and they made it very hard to, you know, report some of this stuff unless you go, like you could get salmonella or norovirus from a restaurant and you could be in your bed puking and really sick. But if you don't get up and go to a doctor and get like a test and an actual diagnosis of that, you can't even report it to the health department. No, it's underreported. Underreported. Yeah. Yeah. But they've systematized, the country has systematized the underreporting. They've made it, they've put an unnecessary barrier to reporting these things. And so a lot of them go unreported because unless you're like, if you get salmonella, like an average person, healthy person gets salmonella or norovirus, they are gonna puke, they are gonna feel horrible for a couple of days. They're probably not gonna end up in the hospital, right? So therefore they're not gonna get an official diagnosis, but they're gonna feel bad enough, they're not gonna wanna go to the hospital anyways. They're just going to sit at their toilet, you know, sleep, puke, have a bucket, whatever it is. What so, are, you really do run a fun wow. podcast, don't you, Tommy? What'd you say? You really do run a fun podcast, don't you? Talking I, about 
throwing up and puking and everything. The, yeah. the, the one place I would say, Tommy, if your listeners want to uh, Google CDC and cruise ships, um, oh yeah, they are required to uh, to uh, document how many, uh, when did it happen, um, and it's frightening. Oh, you know, it's interesting. Was so I had never been on cruises, right? And then you know, like I, don't know, I had kids, so we went on a couple of Disney cruises with my mom. It's a whole thing. Anyway. I was always impressed because of the Disney cruise, there was always a person at the buffet because I knew about norovirus. I remember that ship from hell, like it was like 10 or 12 years ago, where like the toilets overflowed and like the whole ship was sick and like it was a nightmare. Like that was obviously the worst case scenario of that. But um, but I was, so then when we went on the first cruise, I was like super keen. I was like paying attention because I was like, that had just happened and I wasn't sure. And then I was like so impressed because at every restaurant on the Disney cruise, and I'm sure other cruise ships do this too, there was an employee handing out disinfectant wipes for your hands. And obviously I'm in the restaurant business. I grew up in the restaurant business. So I pay, I speak restaurant and I pay a lot of attention. And then on the Disney cruise at the buffet, I would watch them. And then every hour they would take all the, they would take all the utensils out and replace the utensils. And then now on the cruise ships, they have hand washing and they literally watch you wash your hands before you go in on the cruise ship. And they have the least amount of norovirus outbreaks versus some of the other ships. But I've looked at that site you're talking about and it's crazy, right? Like, oh my God. It's amazing. It happens on so many ships. I, but But to be fair, that's only because it's getting reported there. It yep. happens everywhere. Oh my gosh! Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I could. We could talk for five hours about like how food safety is not really a concern in the restaurant industry, and that like like I could go on about it for hours, but it, it's not even worth it. Well, you know what's crazy too about the cruise ships, though. I would hazard to guess that it was a passenger. Who brought the norovirus to the to the buffet versus an employee because in a sick employee you know they will keep that employee in bed because they're freaked out about it you know and they'll keep them isolated in their room or whatever put them in the sick bay they'll keep them away from other employees if they're if they're symptomatic i think a lot of that norovirus is coming in from people from the passengers who hey. don't look and not paying attention or or you know change their baby and got poo on their hands and then you know didn't wash your hands or gross whatever hey, hey tommy I, i've got to tell you i've got to tell your listeners if you want to laugh your heads off try googling uh, on on uh, youtube search for vomiting larry okay there's this site it's it's so funny there's this this uh, amazing scientist in the uk that years back uh, created a robot, uh, it, basically a simple mechanical device that simulates a person throwing up. And so they, they filled its supposed stomach with some fluorescent liquid and they put it in a dark room and they, 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 uh, they triggered the pump to show how far uh, oh. it spreads. And, and you wouldn't believe it, it filled an entire room of, that was 10 by 10, including the walls. And and she was explaining you only need ten virus particles uh, to be picked up by someone for them to catch it. That's why it's it's the perfect virus. That's why it's called norovirus. Oh man, that's really cool. I will I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That's awesome. Um, so I think we asked question number three, which was what was the one thing in the industry or your business that's keeping you up at night. So let's go to question number four now. 
What is the one thing you thought your industry would be doing better that it isn't? Um, that, that's a that's a trick. There are a couple of things actually. One is that I'm I'm concerned that the high tech industry that we're in, you know, the AI, IoT, connectivity, just doesn't understand the life sciences. And when they talk about, I, I have a slide in my PowerPoint deck where I show some examples of infections. And without failure, Tommy, people beg me to move on from that slide. They, <laughs> they, they cannot, they cannot, because they're so used to selling routers and cameras and AI, they, they cannot for the life of them um, cope with uh, the realities of the life sciences, diseases, illnesses. It's almost like it's a taboo subject. So I, I think that that's something that, that does terrify me, um, whether this industry is, is able to be successful selling into life sciences. The, the other one is, uh, I expect my industry, the high-tech industry, to do a better job of automation, like the robots you talked about. Sure. Um, and the thing is, just like R2-D2, it hates stairs. Uh, you, if you're going to automate, you have to find a solution uh, of dealing with stairs. And that's why we, the, the, the solution that we're talking about here is automated room disinfection. Take sure. the people out of the equation. Let them do the cleaning, the vacuuming, the mopping. Um, and emptying the trash, but don't lean on them to do the disinfection. Absolutely. And I think too, I would suggest, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, but not every room in the hospital needs to be disinfected at the same level as other rooms in the hospital, correct? So you don't necessarily have to think about putting one of these boxes in every single room, though that would be great. But like, if you could afford to do that, but you know, I'm sure if we were to look at the data, we would be able to figure out that there are 20% of the rooms that 1000%, like an ER waiting room, for instance, that would be a room you would want to be disinfecting, you know, like, or, you know, crazy. And then obviously operating rooms, but there could be other rooms that you don't have to spend the money to do that on, or maybe do it once a week or more portable, you know? I, um, I think, I Tommy, I think you've nailed it. I think instead of hospitals, the, the uh, urgent care places that do shut down at night, you have patient examination rooms, you have waiting rooms, you have bathrooms. Try nuking those overnight. I yeah. think it would be a better start than a, a 5,000 patient hospital. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we have, like, I'm a big believer in the Pareto principle. And, uh, you know, we have to start looking at things from where the 20%, where can the 20% move the 80%, right? Let's start there. And then we can, you know, over time, we can we can go crazy with it but you're right there's also an issue of if you have hospitals in a you have you know hospitals full 24 7. so it's going to be tougher but they don't do surgeries 24 7 uh, most of the time unless they're in the er right but the the make the surgical base probably would be great for this product and those areas but then yeah obviously the er it's going to be tough because a lot of er's are open 24 7. exactly get the opportunity to do it and that might be where a portable would be better for an er where you could say, hey, we're gonna, we have like, you know, maybe it's not packed tonight. We had the bandwidth to go disinfect these three rooms tonight. And then we just put them on a schedule and we, we bring a portable box in versus a mounted box, which is what you would want in an operating bay, for instance. Yeah, exactly. Um, cool. So I, I do agree with you on the tech uh, when it comes to food service and 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 the life sciences, because I kind of lump them together. I know they're not exactly the same, but food is such a conduit for 
disease, right? And we all eat food every day. So I kind of track them as they're kind of in the same boat, right? Um, You're absolutely right. The, the food, uh, for, those, uh, for those listening that are maybe not so familiar, um, for me to catch uh, an illness, for me to pick up a bug, I have to consume enough uh, viruses, enough bacteria, enough fungal spores before my body gets uh, overcome yep. by, by the power. And the thing is, um, if there's just five bacteria sitting on my, uh, on my table right now, and I, I take my finger and I wipe it and I stick it in my mouth, that may not be enough for me to get sick. But if those five particles, those five bacteria are sitting on an apple and the apple sits there for a few days, um, bacteria can reproduce. They can double every 20 minutes under the ideal circumstances. Now that one or two bacteria is millions within a few days or a few hours. Sure. And that's why you're absolutely right. Food is the most common way for us to pick up uh, ailments. Yep. And I mean, in my opinion, and I, I think people in the restaurant industry know this, the restaurant industry, especially like the chain industry, they have kind of, they don't like make food at restaurant. Like I would say QSR, fast food, blah, blah, blah. They don't really make food at restaurants. They assemble it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like after Chipotle got everybody sick in 2015, they moved from making everything fresh at each store to commissaries where there's USDA inspectors and stuff. And now they just kind of assemble the ingredients, you know, I mean, obviously they cook the steak there, but like all the sauces and all the cold hole, whatever. So, um, yeah. So I just think in general, just to kind of wrap that thought up is I don't feel like these, I don't feel like these businesses are doing enough. Uh, the hospital, the medical and the restaurant industry they're not doing enough and that i also think that a lot that there's a lot more bad stuff happening that's just underreported because it's there's very rarely a causal relationship that you can point to to really say hey this happened because of this exact thing you know and and that's by design by the restaurant and medical industries it's just and it's also just the nature of how that cares that services are provided right I, I, I would i would agree with that summary and i i, I would just add one little thing and sure. that is the reason the reason that not enough is being done is because um when just about everybody i speak to about this this uh device they all say oh we have cleaning crews that come in yep. i ask them what do they do and none of them disinfect they're all just wiping and uh, vacuuming and getting rid of vis visible dirt. And, and our studies show that if I wipe a surface with detergent, I'm typically getting rid of about 10 or 20% of the germs. Disinfection is about getting rid of 50%, 80%, 90%, whatever the number is. And um, unless you start taking an automated approach to whole room disinfection, there's no way that janitors can scale up. It's it's just not, you can't do it, Tom. Well, that's nobody's wiping what? down a wall. Like, well, no, they yeah. wipe down flat surfaces and that's it. They don't even wipe the, down those flat surfaces. If it looks clean, they, they might even skip that. Unless you're in a restaurant, of course. Sure. But if you're in a classroom, um, I, I spoke to a professor at a local university and he said, we've even been told to take our own trash out. <laughs> Um, 
oh man, I had a question that I was just thinking about asking you and then it disappeared from my head and I'll come back in a second. We're gonna move on. I might, I might circle back and ask one more question, but it just like, I didn't write it down quick enough. Okay, so it's war story time. Bob. Um, and what that means is I want a funny slash cringe worthy story from your, your experience. And it can be from anything. But yeah. I just want one of those like, I can't believe we got through it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, I thought you were gonna ask this one. And I, I battled, I battled so hard with, 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 with what to touch on. I, I do have a story actually, it's, uh, and it's a recent one. Um, but it'll be familiar to anyone that that has spent months, even a year, preparing for a moment. And then when the moment comes, they fall flat on their face. And, and, and they just had to do one thing on that day. They had a year to prepare and, and they still fell flat. So that this was the first pilot uh, of, of the briefcase, of the device. Um, sure. And uh, we went into a locker room and we, we'd done uh, up the wazoo. We'd done our testing in labs and in the office and, and spaces like that. But we, we put it in the locker room that, and, and the customer changed the uh, particular locker room at the last moment. They it was going to go into a certain sport and then they changed the sport. And unfortunately, this other room had not been disinfected for 20 years, they said. Oh. But we but we don't know what that means, right? We we don't know what it means to try this device in a room that was recently disinfected versus one that's never been disinfected. So anyway, so we go in. It's nine o'clock, nine thirty. We're setting it up, and we we switch it on. We're sitting outside. It's December, right? It's 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 uh, um, December twenty twenty two. So I can't be in the room while it's running. So I'm sitting outside with the laptop on my lap. Um, remotely through the internet, switching on the machine, just staying in the vicinity in case something goes wrong. It's it's such an important, it's a critical pilot. And we switch it on and the machine does its stuff. And, and it's like the machine's barely, barely producing enough ozone. It, it's, it's running at about 10% of uh, the concentration that it needed to get to. And this went on till about, um, about 1 a.m. I thought I'm going to get fired. I, <laughs> I had a year. I had a year to produce a briefcase, stick it in a room, switch it on, and it just has to maintain a level of concentration all night and then switch off. That's all I had to do. And it's running at 10%. And um, I, I was thinking of my son because he said, Dad, sometimes you suck so much you can't even spell suck. And that's how I felt. At, at that moment, and then it, it was it was absolutely wonderful. Um, uh, just after midnight, suddenly the concentration rocketed up, and we'd never seen this before because we'd never seen we'd never done such a uh, contaminated room. So, really, the analogy is this: if I was pouring rat poison onto the floor, and rats are coming out to consume the rat poison, uh, that's the ozone. If they're eating it up as fast as I'm throwing it on the floor, I can't build it up. But eventually the rats start to die off and they can't consume it as fast as I'm throwing it out there. And so when the germs died off, then it suddenly rocketed. We'd never seen that before. It's like a rocket launch. You, you, there, there's a reason people are terrified at rocket launches because there's, 
you can prepare as much as you want, but until that day, you've never been in that situation. Sure. But it did it. It did the job at the end of the day. So let me just tell you what I think I heard was that there was so much bacteria in that room, so many germs that your machine was actually working correctly. It was that the bacteria was sucking up the ozone so fast that you couldn't get the concentration you wanted until enough bacteria was killed that then, then the air, then the particles per million in the air started to increase. Is that what I heard? That is exactly what I meant to say, but you put it much better. Oh, that's so disgusting. <laughs> it flatlined it flat for three hours waiting for uh, the germs to stop uh, chewing it up. Yeah. What? I don't even want to ask. I'm dying to know what college it is, but I don't want you to tell me. No, no, I'm not going there. Not going there. But we're eternally grateful to them. Um, oh, absolutely. Because like, you got to test your stuff, man. Like I totally get that. Um, that is, that is so terrifying, but also such a great story. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Oh man. So I guess to wrap up this conversation today, um, you guys have developed a tool that People that really, well, no, I figured out the question I wanted to ask. Hold on, I got to ask this question. Have you seen any evidence yet? And I don't know if this is out there widely enough to know. Have you seen any evidence um, where people are utilizing your product and their staff sick days have gone down? That was my question that I wanted to ask. I'm just going to ask it now. It, it's, that's unanswerable, Tommy, because we only go into mass production next week. The, got it. The product is so new, but the school who is the first customer said they are going to track absenteeism. And uh, a friend of mine that's a doctor is, uh, uh, in an ICU, he said, the first thing you have to do, Bob, forget about what everyone else does. You need to track the impact on absenteeism and Bobby sick days up. everywhere that you put this. Sorry. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, you just say that again because you were like in the middle of your juiciest point and then you, you pause for a second. So hit it again. So um, in, in response to the question of, of uh, tracking absenteeism, the school that I mentioned uh, is going to do exactly that for the students and the staff because by law they're required to track those numbers. Uh, but yeah. a, a, an ICU doctor friend of mine said, Bob, ignore what everyone else does and just focus. Don't focus on your product. Focus on the impact that your product is having on uh, sick days and absenteeism. Track that. That is gold dust. Cool. Yeah. Okay, good. So then that what that tells me is, is in six months to a year, we're going to have you back on and we're going to discuss exactly the impact that the platform is making on sick days and absenteeism. Because to me, if we can, we can show that causality, I think, you know, this this becomes a no-brainer for especially the restaurant industry where people are basically running under i mean the whole country's running understaffed right now you know what i mean like keeping people keeping your staff healthy and your and your customers healthy um you know that's all good but when you when it makes managers jobs easier and you are better staffed because people aren't coming in sick that's a whole that's a that's a really powerful you know financial motivator 
That is the standard I'd like to hold myself to. It's interesting, though, Tommy, that which other disinfection mechanism has been held to the same standard? Um, none. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really doing it to myself, aren't I? But I, I, I bring it on, bring it on, because I, I believe in it. Well, Bob, uh, thank you so much. I will put in the show notes a link to the uh, to the platform, um, and we are going to be partnering with you guys to uh, help sell this. So I will have all the links in the show notes of where you can uh, look at the platform and get uh, an understanding of what it does and its costs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I just want to say, Bob, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was so enlightening. I really enjoyed this conversation. And good luck to you guys. And I hope that we'll hook up again in six months and talk about what we're seeing. I look forward to it and be my pleasure, Tommy. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course, guys. Thank you. Take care. Take care.